previously on Many Realms, the Many Merchants of Malun. A foreboding figure watches from the distance as our travelers set up camp for the night. However, the conversational law that they are, the merchants attempt to parlay with the figure, but are immediately met with a vicious combatant. A brutal fight ensues, having the party narrowly escape terrible injury. They manage to best their tiefling opponent, wrongly thinking him the boogeyman Karmung they had been hearing about in their travels. But they came to learn that this was in fact just a peon comparatively. They set about camp for the night, their minds weighing heavy on the road ahead. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Jolie the Cleric, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jory. I play Zeke the Fighter, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jesse. I play Sylvie the Rogue, and it's good to be here. Hey, Realmers, it's me, Jordan, your DM for the Many Merchants of Maloon, and I hope my players don't die today so you guys get to hear the end of their journey. Yay! Let's get back on the road, baby. the uh, eventful end to the last session uh, you guys narrowly escaping a confrontation but coming out the victors in what as I assume you guys got deeper into that seemed less and less uh, likely so good job and kudos um, I believe that as this caravan has made camp for the night and you've all rested your heads uh, this is the first night out in the field for you all and I imagine that uh, it's not the most peaceful of sleeps. It could be perhaps that you're not well acquainted with your less than comfortable wagon beds or the fact that I believe that this has set a tone for the caravan that though Roddy did her best to warn you of, uh, you've all become more intimately aware. That said, you do sleep through the night. Morning comes and you all awake. The rest of the caravan is already stirring. Perhaps some of you have overslept. Perhaps some of you are already awake. Uh, the sun is only just cresting. It's still actually quite early morning. You're going to get quite acquainted with these very early mornings as Roddy uh, does not want you sleeping in and doesn't want you wasting time. There is a fire going that is cooking up something, some kind of a stew or something. I'll let you guys kind of wake up, tell me what's happening there, and then we'll get into the day. Does everyone just gather by the fire type of thing, or does anyone have anything that they need to do on... Um, I think, like, Jolie and Diane, I've kind of alluded very strongly to, are both, like, very hedonistic, but I think Jolie is the, like, I don't need sleep, I need one hour of sleep hedonist, and Diane is the, like, I'll see you at 2 p.m. hedonist, so... Diane's definitely still asleep. Sorry, Roddy. Jolie will work like twice as hard to compensate, but Jolie's been up for a couple hours. She did not sleep well last night. That was um, more blood than she would have enjoyed. Um, and I think she's like the kind of person who wakes up early and she's kind of used to like making tea for her wife and also Tulip, even though she doesn't even really like Tulip that much. So I think she's like already making tea with basically like grass that she found nearby. Like it's bad, but it's something. It's boiling water. Do you meet everyone else kind of with this tea by the 
the fire. It's kind of like, I guess, oh, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm DM. You guys all eventually, we'll, we'll still go through you guys here, but you all will arrive there because it is like, I think it's kind of like the... Whoa, taking away my character agency. Yeah, like, I can't right. even decide to not go to the fire. It's yeah, like, no, you can't. No, it's kind of like the debrief the or, or the the brief, <laughs> the briefing uh, of, of the day ahead. So it's kind of like more of like an obligation. for It's our stand up. Yeah. Um, so sorry, continue. I just, you, I guess I was just saying that we all will arrive. Um, yeah. So like along the fire or on the perimeter of the fire is like, usually people put stone so it doesn't burn all the, like the dry grass in this prairie. So she just has like cups sitting on the hot rocks so that they stay warm. Sipping her tea, watching a cricket. Zeke. Um, what does Zeke do? Does he sleep sitting up like a a vampire? No, I don't think he would. He's, he likes, he likes to get all crazy. No one coming into the DM. You have to. (laughs) (laughs) He read the campaign notes, he would know. You have to. No, no, just Roll to see if, (laughs) which position you sleep in. (laughs) One of 20 options. Two. Uh, on your head. Yeah. <laughs> like a bat. <laughs> Two bats. Upside down like a bat. So then um he does a little he has to use his ab muscles to get up and then you know Actually question uh, about so, Zeke's abs. The caravans aren't the most spacious, but you unlike um a lot of the other members of the party, like you have two daughters. Um obviously in the case of uh, Julie, it's like, this is my partner. So, you know, like you're used to sharing space to some degree. We sleep stacked. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a Jenga tower yeah. that's very low. What's the, what's the like space situation? Like if I'm inside of it, is it all one? Is it, What is that dynamic? Both like the, at the end of the night and the morning, what being like a father with two daughters in what is, you know, not, no, it's not a home anymore. Yeah. They don't have a room. Teenage daughters. Older teenage daughters, too. Um, it's definitely cramped because they also have the uh, forge stuck onto the back. Zeke, I think, has, like, a little area that's, like, Spartan where it's just his bed. Like, he has his own – it's not, like, look closed off or anything. It's just, like, there's a corner in the back near the forge where he sleeps and then like opposite end of the caravan, which is, you know, a couple feet away, Mm -hmm. there's a little bunk bed for the girls who have like, I would say decorated around their little areas as best as they can. I'm imagining like, you know, if you've ever been to like summer camp and you have a bunk bed and you have like all your pictures tacked up on your walls, stuff like that. And like stuff they're drawing and reading all around them um but it's very cramped and i think um if one person is up everyone is up so um of the three of them i think zeke probably gets up before the the girls um and then they probably are annoyed at him for waking up and like starting their tea or coffee or whatever um and he kind of ushers them out and about to start the day because this is an all-hands situation where he does need them to, like, I don't know, find some berries. Like, what are we doing? We only have one and a half days left of food. We probably do need to figure something out to um, sustain us for another another day or so. Uh, in Sylvie's caravan... Um 
As I mentioned, it's it's very, very cluttered, full of random bric-a-brac, arts and crafts and bottles and whatever the, the troop keeps around. Paz is the more mature, more reliable kind of early riser. Um, I think since one thing, um, one thing that Jordan had been talking about in our last session was what this troop would be doing around the caravan to sort of uh, pull their weight to, to offer something. So I think it would be cool if Paz could have an opportunity to contribute to the cooking Mm-hmm. Like those those breakfasts and things, because he's like 100% not interested in combat or adventure, whatever. He's just like a chill musician guy who has his own reasons for traveling with the troop. Uh, as for Fabio and Sylvie, I mean, Sylvie, I'm sure, got very little sleep last night, having like been shot at by lightning and stabbed and like attacking this tiefling guy and bringing his body back. And the body was full of crazy plants, like just nightmare scenario. So I think she... By the time she wakes up, Fabio and Paz are already gone. She, like, throws stuff from her bed onto the floor in the hopes that someone will hear her and bring her breakfast, and that doesn't happen. So eventually she rolls out of bed, um, stretches, splashes some water on her face from a cracked and chipped bowl, uh, runs a couple of hands through her hair, and then just bangs at the front door of the caravan to see what the hell's... What fucking horror... (laughs) nonsense the day has in store for her because her last like 72 hours have been like ghoulish for this young woman you said paz is going to be kind of contributing in the cooking side he knows about um plants he cooks for the troop he gets up early and he doesn't mind putting in like a moderate amount of work for group settings like this i think it'd be a good fit for him i just want what's best for him he'll be working somewhat frequently with actually ben because, yes, Ben did um, coerce, as we know, the butcher back in town. But that wasn't, you know, he did it convincingly so because he has knowledge of the culinary arts. Um, so Paz will spend some time with Ben as the kind of uh, making stuff up. And perhaps I may, uh, you know, now you got to... So now you have all your different performances, and now I need a separate list of all the different dishes that you're learning. Uh, Paz over time, so just you know, just I'll, yes, chef. Then like it's ulebe, tiramisu. That's nice. I made this tiramisu yeah. out of uh, like dirt and like grass yeah, yeah. and like dirty grass. <laughs> Um, it has a very earthy flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so does everything else. <laughs> so you all gather around the fire, and it's kind of much like the night before. It's a pretty somber time, um, as well as people are still waking up, tea, coffee, and quite frankly, um, at this stage, again, not a lot of you really even know each other. So people are quite cautious of one another relationships are only just just starting things like Ben and Paz like they would have basically this would be the first go at doing that so um it's a rather still (laughs) uh a bit of a melancholic time on the caravan but that's okay I mean at the end of the day you are one day closer to Astra which is better than no days it's it's something I think worth just celebrating Probably. We didn't die. <laughs> um, yeah. Brent died. So yeah, we, we didn't <laughs> die. So now um, 
the way that this will work is that before the caravan gets set out, you all will have kind of time. Everyone really has some time to go do whatever it is that they want. Obviously, the most uh, apparent thing is like you can try to go forage or hunt, collect food, but there's other things as well, um, especially because you've all started again as merchants. And as Jesse mentioned, and we've highlighted before, and it's not exclusive to just the troop, is like you all have your skills and specializations that were set up, but at the end of the day, this is very disparate from being a merchant. So embrace, you know, where you think you happen to fall into. It can be more random stumbling into things, or it could be more deliberate of like, I think that Zeke would want to, I mean, Zeke's a bit more obvious. Zeke might be, you know, keeping up maintenance of the weapons or something. And these types of things, I'll say just, you know, for a gameplay side, like let's say if, Zeke, for example, elected to not go hunting or something, but instead wanted to... Uh, in fact, I believe Roddy broke her weapon in the last fight. If you like dedicated resources to to using your forage, well, that might give your weapons for this session like a plus one bonus or something like that. So there are... Um, you know, it's a bit of a negotiation, but there's this is kind of the free time aspect that will affect this session. Obviously, food is more pervasive than that. But. Um, could I potentially say like... If I want to repair Roddy's weapon for food, do something like that. Like from Roddy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, you have gold and stuff, but bartering, exchanging of your services and these specializations that whether you have them or you accrue is completely valid. Absolutely. Yeah. So everyone kind of has their morning breakfast and um, their their coffee, their dirty bean water. And the day is going to get started soon. Roddy says, you know, take care of your business. Meet back here within the hour. Meet back here in an hour to make a plan about, like, my understanding is that we are on the outskirts of the territory that's, like, run by Carmong and his bandits. Roddy has essentially said, like, as she's kind of already established, wheels up, you're going. Like, come what may. Um, And knowing what it is and having information is obviously beneficial. But she is like cautious and is like being hesitant in it. But the sense is like, well, what are we going to do? Turn around? Sure. Yes, of course. We have to progress forward. It's just that like, even in terms of like, well, we need to like gather some food is like the, I feel like the biggest thing on everyone's minds would be like, these, we know that around the corner are some guys with big shirts that say, I can't wait to fuck your whole shit up. Custom printed. Custom screen printed, I'm about to fuck your whole shit up shirts available at many realms.bigcartel.com forward slash this doesn't exist. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's weighing on Sylvie's mind for sure anyway. And that's totally valid. It's like the type, of, you know, there may be another day where you are not as unsettled. So again, like you just play that out as you would. It's totally valid. But Roddy's thing is like, we're going with our hackles up because what else can we do? It More or less, it's like, be prepared. We know that this is here. We know that this is coming. And we're now we're aware of the scale of that threat. And we should be like alert. But there isn't much of an alternative. And especially to Roddy, even from the offset, like, you know, when she was talking to you in Soleil in the, you know, town center, she was literally saying like, people will die. Shit will happen. It's not going to be... A bed of roses. And I know this is significantly so, but at the end of the day, it's like doesn't come as a huge surprise to her, even though she like also too was like not in the best spot when that fight. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're all like urban city dwellers going into this like incredibly dangerous environment. So um I'm, I'm sure people are like a little freaky deaky. 
now obviously you're in the plains, there's not really a lot for the eye to see, but if you're in like a place that is more of like a village and it was a similar situation, you can, like the, in this case of where we are in the gameplay, you'd be able to like go try to recruit people and like totally. that type of stuff. Ooh, be- recruiting. Because, yeah, because you're like, oh my God, like we need more security. Like we're not fighters. We need more fighters. Wait a minute. And you did also note that like, you know, Tulip does have like, he has Dora and he has like three other guys that are like fighters. They don't seem to keen on protecting much more than Tulip, but maybe that can be persuaded. Maybe it's so long as you stay close to him, whatever. But at the end of the day, if they descend upon the caravan, like to attack you, like those guys aren't going to just like <laughs> cross their arms and do nothing. Uh, so you're not in the worst position, not the best position. Anyway, so we, uh, yeah, the... Day, the sun is rising. How do we, uh, how do we start uh, our days? What do we want to do with this free time? Let's start. Can I, like, send my daughters out to get food and then I can, like, help people out if they have any weaponry that they need help with or anything like that? Sure. Um, Give myself a boost for the day. Yeah. I like that idea, too. Yes. Uh, what skills in foraging, hunting, what are they going out to do, and how adept are they at it? They're teens, so they're bad at everything. That's well, not they're, true. They're really cool. So, first of all, their coolness kind of enhances what berries they find. Like, they probably find cooler berries than another non-cool person would. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Cool berries. <laughs> cool. The, the, the Kool-Aid cool berry flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. No. <laughs> it did I feel like they, like this could be a skill they have or like maybe not like well, like great at it, but considering like it's not like they're watching TV all day. You said you had them in Cubs, right? <laughs> so they would like venture outside so like maybe and just kind of like to poke around. Like, are they, well, I are also they... did specifically say, um, uh, know me. Mm-hmm. I have her as kind of into um, like magic and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a world where like she's like reading about like what herbs do and stuff. And that might get her more familiar with, oh, well, this is just a food one. Sure. Like this one's a magic one, but this one is. Okay. So she has stuff. some, a little bit of knowledge of like what various plants, you know, she might be able to pick up like, I can't eat this one at all. This one's poisonous and this one that's edible. Yeah. She's not okay. like researching that for the reason of foraging, but I think if you're researching plants and stuff anyway, you'll figure that out. That'll come with. Okay, great. Okay. So the, the daughters are going to go out foraging just the two of them? Yep. Okay. Uh, wait, wait. Let's no, think about no the tone in which he said that. No, no, no. Okay, so for, for clarity's sake, like... No armor? There's always, like, a risk of something, and you guys have to take, like, calculated risks. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. You can see as far as the eye can see. I'm going to... I'm going to keep my yes, but know that I'm suspicious of you and I don't trust you. You should be, like, suspicious, but, like, I'm not, like, oh, what's that? Like, your characters are going alone? Time to kill them. It's not that. It's just that, like, uh, like if I if I roll to, like, see if something happens, then it is going to happen with just the two of them alone. Okay. You know. What if they brought Carla then, Ben's daughter, who looks like a, a cute half-orc girl? They can be friends with the other the other teen Great, you're now friends. <laughs> no. You gained uh, friend. Okay, so they want to go now talk to Carlton. I guess, sure. 
I'll say that Carla Fennett's someone that I think that mm, you guys, it's more like you see her stray away from Ben's wagon and then Ben is like, get back here and like get back. He's, he's very cautious of both. He, he doesn't trust you guys and he doesn't trust the plane. So basically no one does have a relationship with Carlathan, which is probably not her favorite, yes. Yeah, well, now I'm more tempted to say that Nomi and Hilda would be like, hey, that girl looks like she could need, use a friend. Let's go say hi. Okay, so in the episode you introduced her, you said that she is like a young girl with a lollipop and pigtails, and he puts her on the counter and pats her on the head. Like, is she eight or is she 15? Did I say lollipop and you pigtails? You definitely said lollipop and put her on the counter. Maybe not pigtails. I definitely did the counter. Thing. You definitely that was did the lollipop. to emphasize how guilty uh, Eli should have felt from oh, stealing yeah. it from Ben. <laughs> Okay. How old is she? Yeah. Uh, she's probably more like 14. Like, okay. like, so for clarity's sake, like, Ben is like helicopter parenting a bit. Okay. So he is treating her like an eight year old, but she's not eight. He just loves his daughter. Okay. But she has like weird stuff going on. She's got like homeschool. Yeah, homeschool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry to homeschooled people. We love anyway, you. The daughters, they want to go see if they can. Yeah. Bring Carlton along. And, okay, sure. You approach Ben's wagon. Ben is seated uh, in the back. Um, he's carving some wood into something. It's in the early, early stages of, like, a some type of wood wood sculpture that you, you know, can't really discern what it is, but he's carving away at it. So I'm just Nomi and Hilda now? Right now, yeah. Okay. Nomi says, uh, hey, uh, we just wanted to... See if uh, Carly wanted to join us. They're calling her Carly. They've already wow. called her. Familiar. Um, you see Carlton's eyes behind Ben light up at, at the, the utterance of coming. In fact, she takes a couple steps forward and he kind of holds his hand backwards towards her and goes, to do what? Uh, Hilda says, uh, we were just going to go get some, uh, see if we can get any food for uh, for." The next couple days? I don't know. Um, if there's any, like, anything in the plains over there. Just just foraging. We're not even going to be out of sight. You two going alone? Well, we were going to invite Carla Car- 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 to come with us. Can I? Can I? Dad? We're just over there. Like, you can see it. We're not even, even going to pass that hill. He kind of puts his hand out in front of him and waves his finger across an area. And he's like... You don't go any further than that, okay? Uh, Nomi says, "Yep, whatever you say, sir." Um, we we we're just we're just getting food, so all the better for you. Okay, Carla. She goes, "Yay, yay!" Chops out, and he's like, "Carla," she turns back around and goes, "Don't forget this." And hands her a hand crossbow. Damn. Uh, and the three girls run off to go foraging. Uh, no, just roll me a d20. I'm just basically will adjust the DC based on the fact you don't have any modifiers. Okay. <laughs> so that's a natural one. So Jory has poisoned the entire caravan. Oh my god, Carly died. <laughs> we find these purple mushrooms. So one will trigger the reference. winds of fates. This could be... Uh, 
If this is your first episode, Jordan will explain the winds of fate again in exacting detail. Uh, the winds of fate are a pretty non-specific, random thing, uh, but no. The winds of fate uh, is a random random chance that I'm adding to the entirety of this campaign where just something uh, of terrible circumstances can just, at a random point per session, uh, just... just hurt my my players but then also the winds of fate can also blow in their favor and do something wonderful uh jory has rolled a one which is known as a critical failure in DD fifth edition which has now triggered the winds of fate um so if you if you roll a nat one it triggers winds of fate is this a new rule that you're adding to this segment in this current one because it's with a kind of a non-player character okay it is triggering the winds of fate i'm gonna add this to the fucking wiki um, oh, and the way that it works is that I guess a number on a d20, and if it's ever correct, then it triggers the winds of fate. Wait, I thought we guessed the number. Traditionally, we have guessed the number. Oh, okay. Jory should guess you the number guys in guess this the case. Number. No, I'd rather the, the if it, it was terrible, I'd rather it be on somebody else's conscious. So, Eli. Literally, no. <laughs> Jesse. 13. 16. And for the good, for the good... 14. The winds of fate blow. However, despite the uh, winds of fate not doing anything, that is a critical failure. Um, I will say you come back completely empty-handed, which I think is fair. Um, You know, it seems that the... They were like braiding each other's hair. (laughs) (laughs) Did they at least come back with um, a stronger relationship? Uh, not even that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bullying work. I don't know if they would. Uh, no, no, no. It seems that Nomi's book smarts does not translate to street smarts and could not identify these plants. I would say no, you have not strengthened a bond with Carla. You guys kind of awkwardly don't really say anything. Maybe you can't find like uh, a common ground to talk on. Maybe, maybe it's just kind of awkward. Um, but... Carla's, Carla's glad that she came nonetheless. Like, it definitely breaks up the monotony, but it was kind of a bit ako taco. Zeke is wanting to fix up stuff? Yeah, I think I'd like to see if I can get myself some kind of either trade for money or food or get an advantage on, like, I don't know, attack rolls or, like, uh, damage rolls for the day or something like that. So you either want to go barter with someone for some more food or you want to basically do like weapon maintenance. You know what? If we're going to run into these scary people today, maybe I want to do weapon maintenance. Okay. I forget the because I've changed my notes, uh, the rulings that you have for your forward. I have advantage on my first two rolls. Yeah. Um, and I can have six uses before I have to re-redo. So I'm rolling my D20 plus any – is there a uh, – Modifier on this or just what's your what's your primary stat? I put dex. Dex? Yeah. Uh we'll call it we'll call it slate of hand. Um and yeah, roll with advantage. And basically, yeah, you are people know you're a blacksmith. They're they're going to be bringing these off. In fact, maybe it's even to some degree if you're like, okay, I'll collect these, people will leave them at like some designated spot by your carts and then you kind of like work on them in the morning. Okay. It's kind of like a drop off, pick off, pick up type of thing. Sure. So I'm rolling, sorry, slide of hand? Uh, yeah, with advantage. 
cool. All right. Ten. That was worse. <laughs> so I got a ten. Uh, ten? On a ten, I'll let you pick one of... I mean, I know that you're working on door and tulips. Uh, you probably won't pick them anyway, but you can pick one weapon for this session that has plus one across the, the party. I will give it to my own short sword. Nice. Selfish. Hey. Love that. Let's hop along. Uh, Eli, you had plenty of time to think. We're going back to Jolie and Diane. So uh, you can tell me if this is fair. I think that Diane would be a fairly good hunter because I said that she's like... Named after the Roman god of hunting. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, I said she, like, roams a little, but I know there's no nothing to hunt. Well, yeah, she's a Roman. Okay. Yes, I think that's fair, because it means she also ventures out further than most other people and is, like, someone that seems fairly capable, so I imagine that she has, like, hunted and shit before, yes. Okay. In that case, it doesn't apply right now. It's good to know, but she, like, there's nothing really to hunt in the plains, I think. You, you were like, she's probably a great hunter, not that it matters. She's well, like, I think it'll matter, like, later, but do you, is there anything for there's me to There's definitely some small game. Yeah, there's, like, prairie dogs that are also have, like, long snouts because it's fantasy. Is that like a Chicago-style hot dog? Like a prairie-style hot dog? No, there, there's, uh, there's, like, some small game. Okay, um, I think Diane will approach Chorley, who's good at foraging, um, and ask, basically, like, hey, Chorley. And they know each other, I I assume, because uh, Jolie knows Chorley. And she would like to offer an exchange of knowledge. Um, all of our resources are more or less limited here, except for being able to skill share, basically. Um, so Diane would like to teach um, Chorley how to hunt, and then tomorrow would like Chorley to teach her how to forage. Can Chorley be very cute about this, please? Whoa, don't steal my wife, though. What do you mean? <laughs> no, I just think Charlie's cute. I love when she does oh, cute she is things. Cute. She's a little dragon. Um, teach her to hunt? I'll offer Charlie some tips to hunt it, or uh, like set up set up simple snares, for example, in exchange for This is Diane, yeah? Yes. Uh, Charlie's like, um, well, uh, I, I think that Everyone could stand to learn from, um, uh, 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 everyone could stand to learn more about botany, but um, I, I don't have any interest in um, learning to hunt. Um, and then, like, um, Plume kind of, like, winces at the word hunt a little bit. It's like, oh. uh, and she's like, but, but if you wanted to learn, I'd be happy, I'd be happy to. Oh, I feel bad. Um, I, I because of think, how cute she is. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Diane would um, clock that they were like, "Oh, I'm uncomfortable with the hunting." So she's just like, "Okay, sure. Then why don't I rally up some people in the caravan who would like to learn?" Thank you very much, Charlie. Oh, 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 uh, oh. sorry. It, I, I, um, I, I know you meant like uh, teaching a, a bunch of uh, um. Oh no, you don't have to just. You could just teach me, or... Um, I'll think about it. Now? Now? Uh, Eli's asking, now? I, you kind of, like, fumbled the bag when you were like, we'll get a bunch of people well, to... Well, she was like, <laughs> I want everyone to learn about botany. Yeah, but she didn't mean, like... <laughs> like, like... 
everyone at once. <laughs> okay, so she's not teaching me yeah, the body. Put that responsibility. No, she will. She wants she's, to teach you body. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said like, or just me. Yeah, she's like, oh, okay. Let me think about it now, because she's like, just a bit, um, a bit off, off put by the initial thing of like, I'll bring a bunch of people. She just, it just, it just stressed her out. Okay. I'll try tomorrow. Uh, okay. I'll hunt now, I guess. All right. Um, give me a, a roll. I'll call this, I guess, animal handling. Yeah, but is it a flat roll anyway? What do you mean? Well, I don't have a Diane character sheet, so. Sure. Oh, that's an eight. An eight? Yeah. You find this bunny-like creature, except it's... Ears are so long. Oh God! Are you gonna kill this? That as it's hopping along, it sometimes gets tripped up on its own ears. That's not good character design. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> well, no, it's it's it's. There's other bunnies that run away at your your coming to them. That also have the long flowing ears. However, theirs are like they're kind of like extra legs. They like shoot them out in front of them and then like kind of stiffen them and harden them so they can like propel themselves like stilts almost with the ears yeah but this one's just it doesn't it just just it it, it just doesn't uh, yeah i actually can't i can't can diane please i guess okay can i abstract this immediately into food please I don't. I don't want the. Details. You love bunny nuggets, but you don't like seeing how they're made. How do you want to do this? It's food yeah. now. <laughs> I have one point five days. Can I just change okay, it to two, okay, please? Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, 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 no! You can't change it to two. Whatever. You can. A whole rabbit's not half a day of food. Yeah, it's half. So it's two. I have one point five. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think in the morning block we've got Paz. Um, Either like making breakfast or lunch, if that's like not a, a proper activity, I think he'd probably be. I can see a version where he like is instructing the the young girls about like foraging a little bit, like he knows a little bit about that kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, only to like be later disappointed when they come back totally empty-handed. Um, I think Fabio, at Sylvie's insistence, um, will train a little bit. They both had a pretty tough time in the the wagon holdup fight, and um, Sylvie is very very jumpy about the upcoming clash with the bandits. So she wants Fabio to be in in good fighting shape because she's going to rely on him. Uh, and as for Sylvie herself, I am interested in checking in on Marlin. He's had a day and a night to rest and recover a little bit from his uh, own holdup at the face of the bandits. And we know that he's a magician, but not the extent of what he can do. And I want to see if there's a way he can help us. Okay. I mean, I'll see what you mean by help by playing this out. Um, if you go over to Roddy's wagon, which Roddy's not around right now, you'll see Marlon kind of like putzing around in the back of it. Um, it's... <clears throat> Kind of in disarray because he didn't have a lot with him, but he's kind of just taken the uh, near the rear of this wagon to himself to have all these loose scraps of paper and all these other just kind of random mundane, like a small shriveled up vegetable, uh, uh, 
foot of rope that's singed on the end. It's just kind of, to your eyes, a bunch of randomness, but he seems to be with um, great vigor, kind of picking up and putting down and looking at things kind of uh, very much uh, bouncing off the walls. She's going to go in um, salesy, persuasive. She wants to get something out of Marlins. She's going to breeze in casually like she just happened to be walking by and she'll say, oh, good morning, Marlin. How did you sleep last night? Uh, you know what? Uh, well, well, yeah. Like a, a bank of um, mountainside rocks. You slept like a bag of mountainside rocks. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. What are you doing right now? Sorry? Just with this stuff. Is this stuff you brought from your caravan? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I'm just, uh, um, I'm reading. I'm reading. I, I'm, I am a purveyor of the literary arts. And, um, yeah, so I like to start my day with uh, a good book. And he holds up, like, a loose piece of paper. That's, that's, uh, that's lovely. I'm not much of a reader myself, but I, I've always admired those who can. Oh, well, here, let me help you. And he then, like, kind of reaches to a part that you can't see it because it's very close to the back. And he pulls up, like, a massive book and he kind of just like tries to plop it into your arms this is a massive encyclopedia entitled the zoology review of fantastical beings sylvie is i think a intelligent person but what i don't think she is is a learned person she has not had much opportunity in her life for exposure to uh complicated or scientific concepts like that so she can like work these words out and she's just like what does that mean, Marlon? What is this? Oh, it's... Well, <laughs> I've never read it myself, but the name implies it's, 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 uh, it's, it's an encyclopedia of, of all the various um, um, creatures and, and, and beings that, we've, that, 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 that kind of are all around us. It's, that's why it's so big. It's got, it's got everything in there. Just look at a, look at a page. She's game. She flips it open, leaves through a couple of pages. Any pictures? There's some pictures. What's this? Let's say that you land on like a beholder, a giant floating eye creature um, that goes into, it has like uh, like an artist rendition of it um, that's rather kind of crude, perhaps because in the, the author as well as like in the land of Maloon, a lot of these types of things are rarely if ever seen um and the information is like a unfinished wiki page there's some things that people know like mostly the physical description but in terms of like uh the attitude of this creature it's just like literally has question marks like it's unknown so it's this like encyclopedia that even from this first page you realize is like massive but also seemingly unfinished of of uh skeptical quality it's only the first edition they're still working out some of the stuff yeah um she's uh amused though a little skeptical she says 
well, Marlon, this is just a, a picture that somebody drew, like an artist. There's no way this kind of thing is real, obviously. Well, I, I mean, I've seen one. You've seen this before? Yes. When? In a very vivid and well-remembered dream. That's yours. You can keep it if you like. I've uh, I, I've done all my flipping and perusing that I need of it. Uh, um, sure. Thank you. That's that's um, a very grateful. Uh, that's a lovely gift, Marlon. I appreciate that. I uh, know you've had a very hard time, and uh, it's very good of you to be thinking of others right now. Hmm. Yes. She slams the book shut, and she props it on her lap and leans forward on it on her elbows. She says, and while we're thinking of others, I can't help but think about what happened last night with that bandit and with Carmong's men on the road ahead. When we first met you, you said that you were a magician, right? Oh, yes. I just wonder what what kind of magic do you possess? Is it something that we could avail ourselves of in, in order to not die? Oh, um, well, I, I, I study mostly in performative um, charms and, 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 and little tricks. Um, but... <laughs> Push me the wrong way. And, and yeah, you, you better watch out. Yes. Yes. Well, I need... You see, here's the thing. Uh-huh. Um, I need materials. Materials. Yeah, that's what these are. Um, you see, uh, my most... Um, I'm only really capable of some, well, simple cantrips. And he, like, has some dancing lights that come from his fingers. Uh, in order to do anything like what you're describing, um, I need materials. I thought you just had to wave your hands around and say funny words. Well, remember how I said performative magic? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that... Is the performance side? It, 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 people, people, uh, um, they they like to see the 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 pomp and circumstance of the magician side. I mean, that's why I, I you know, um, anyway, um, yeah, materials. Um, I can, I can, um, well, I mean, I can. I don't, I don't mean to brag, but I mean, I, fireballs, the, the water. Spouts, <laughs> dirt balls. I can, I can do it. I can do. I can do some of it. Some of it. Sometimes when I have the materials and I don't, um, they were in my wagon, and I don't have my wagon, so I don't think I can help you. Sorry. That's okay, Marlin. I. Thanks for explaining all that to me. There's a lot I clearly don't know about uh, the work that you do. But I do understand the need to put on a show for people. That's something I understand very well. I wondered, is 
Is there any way we could find some of your materials or or replace them or how far are we from where they ambushed your wagon? I think that you might be the best shot we have. You might be a way we could surprise them or confuse them or give ourselves an advantage. I'm really worried about what's going to happen today. Uh, his eyes kind of go hazy. He's trying to remember that. And he kind of clearly draws a blank and is like, um, to, 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 be, to be honest, um, it's all quite a blur one that uh, I'm trying to make yet blurrier and forget. Um, well, <laughs> if you can find a, 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 a Jekyllin root, that would help. Oh, I don't know if I've seen any around. A Jekyllin root? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I need... It, it's a common... Well, <laughs> it's not. It's not a common. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be hard to find. But if you find it, you'll, you wait. Marlin, the magician, will show you something unlike anything you've ever seen. Though I think she's a little uh, put off by how mercurial he is. She does appreciate that he's clearly like a natural born performer. And he is being uh, pretty nice to her when she's just come in like, uh, please help me because we're all going to die. So I think she um, clasps the book, this heavy book up. Um, She gives him a warm smile and uh, a friendly peck on the cheek. And she says, if you ever need anything, Marlin, you know where my wagon is. Come on by. A loud crack echoes across the plains. Oh, fuck this. <laughs> What's some fucking dice right now? A d20, the one you always control? Yeah. You, you no, 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 no. What's the one that we use the least? Probably a d12. Do a d12 right now. I don't even care. This is homebrew, baby. Fuck you, 5e. I do what I want. We roll d12s when I feel It like looks it. like a low poly d20. Wait, it literally is what it is. <laughs> that, that's, that's that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to say. Okay. Three. Okay. Five. Oh, one. You're not doing anything, so I'm not going to trigger the winds of fate if that's what you're thinking. And in fact, this is a roll for whoever rolled the lowest. Is it actually? Yes. Wait, is it bad though? <laughs> As everyone is leaving the fire and perhaps uh, Jolie stays behind finishing a little bit of like a, a little bit of, just a little like pinch of cheese that maybe she's tucked away. I won't take it out of your amount. It's I just, always oh, have pocket cheese, yeah. Pocket cheese. You hear a voice come up next to you and says, um, excuse me, Jolie. Ah, just kidding. Who is it? Carly? You turn to see Chorley, who is holding a bowl with something steaming in it, and she holds it out to you. I take it. She goes, um, I just, I just saw that you might be having a bit of a hard time, and um, so I just wanted to give you some of my soup. So she gives you some of her squash soup, and um, she. Uh, you- <laughs> Eli's uh, crying now. Thanks, Jordan. Good job. 
your your next your next like time that you have to use a day of food, you only have to use a half because of Charlie's contribution to your cause. Uh, you take the soup, and I guess you cry. <laughs> And her and Plume, well, actually, Plume kind of, like, warms it a bit before passing it off. So Plume, so she holds it, like, on kind of both palms flat against each side, and Plume flies underneath and puts a bit of fire on the bottom so that the soup gets nice and nice nice and hot, and then she passes it to you. And Why are you doing this to me? And goes away. We're doing what? I love them. I love these characters. <laughs> Doing what? They, she gives you some squash soup that she she made because she saw that you were having a hard time. I know Chorley. Does Chor- is Chorley like a person who does not enjoy affection? Like if I hugged Chorley, would they would she not enjoy that? Not in like a don't do that way, but it's like probably has a slight preference to like not no. Yeah, okay, I won't, but I will sincerely thank Chorley. She says no problem, and she goes back to get her caravan ready to go. Um, you all saddle up, you finish your soup, and you go back to your, your caravan. Um, let me get this again. I'm going to need, because uh, you guys can change it at the top of each day, what is our caravan order? Well, yeah, currently we had Roddy in the front, like our two strongest, really, Roddy and Zeke at the front and the back. Um, yeah. Jolie in the middle, because she has like a bunch of food, and then like the rest kind of scattered between... The only thing I could think is like front loading all of our toughest dudes, but then that leaves our, our butt totally open. Well, we could move um, Tulip up to the front and keep me at the back or move me up to the front and leave Tulip at the back. Although I don't trust Tulip. I think Tulip wanted to be at the back. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, Dora and Roddy also have like a bad relationship, but not enough that you, I mean, you guys are traveling together, so it's not too bad. You can put them wherever right now. To me, it does make sense to put Tulip at the back. Like, he's got protection. You've- Yo, this episode has no Nikolai and Cheyenne content. What are Nikolai and Cheyenne doing right at this exact second? At this exact second? Yeah. Uh, they're getting Boris's reins on because they like to let him rest at the end of each day. And so they take, like, all the reins off and kind of, like, let him go graze because they know that he's, like, kind of old enough that he won't just, like, go off on his own. Okay, even though Boris is a donkey and not a horse, he gets horse protection, right? What is horse protection? Like Jory oh, said, we're not yes, hurting. Yes, I was like, <laughs> you ain't paid your horse protection this month. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I'll need, I'll need the order from someone at some point. And by some point, I mean like now. <laughs> um, my opinion is to swap Zeke and Tulip. Do you have thoughts about that? I'm okay with that. Okay, so from Roddy at the start, what's the order? Roddy, mm-hmm. Sylvie, mm-hmm. Ben and his daughter, mm-hmm. Nikolai and Cheyenne and Boris, Jolie and Diane, mm-hmm. Chorley and Plume, Zeke and Nomi and Hilda, <laughs> and Tulip, Dor, and his men. Uh, okay, great. So you, uh, Roddy gets you all together, and Sylvie would obviously hear, all right, day two. And Roddy sets off, and it's kind of just like everyone goes um, in order. Um, Zeke, you're close enough to hear uh, Tulip kind of loudly complaining already. He says to Dor, who is presently seated next to him in his wagon. I do believe I said Tulip has two wagons. Is that correct? Tulip and Dor on the front one, and then his like men on the other one. Uh, and he's just saying like, ah, I don't. 
we need we need more. This was a rushed, terrible idea. I mean, I look at, look at everything I have. It's never going to make it to the end. It's, I think if we have to, we'll just uh, we'll just no. We'll talk about it later. That's the that's what you hear. Hmm. Sus, suspicious, up to something. Mm-hmm. Break into his wagon, go through his ledgers. Um, so you guys continue on the road for a little bit. Roll me again. Fuck you, Five E. Roll me a fucking D twelve. I don't even care. Roll me a D twelve. You, you got it, boss. Just because I want you to. Three. I'm nine. using my power. A two. Um, a two. A two. You can see from where you are near the front there. Um, again, way on the horizon. Um, a figure on a on a horse that's already watching you as the day starts. It's not something that I would imagine is entirely surprising, but it is obviously still disconcerting. Is it tiefling shaped? I, I mean, it'd be you'd probably be presuming that. I mean, it's it's just like a figure. But, like, sure, you probably would think it is based on what's happened. You guys continue on for a while. Uh, fortunately, quite um, uninterrupted. However, uh, ways down the road, um, and what started to crest the horizon the further as you guys went, is one of the more first notable um, locations of uh, Maloon that you all are very loosely aware of, but probably maybe other than Diana, I've never really ventured to, which is the Great Swamp, is just starting to come into view. And it's like very, very, very tall trees that kind of, oh, like 50, 60, like they are basically skyscrapers of trees. They're massive. The distance is quite great, but you'd already be seeing them quite early because of how tall these trees are. But what you see before that is you see a scene of a battle. You see wagons torn apart. You see corpses that are decaying in the sunlight. Uh, their flesh pecked away by various carrion. Um, this is a scene of a very uh, one-sided battle. And it wouldn't take much for you all to know and quickly deduce um, that this is the site of uh, Marlins, uh, previous party and their untimely demise. Immediately perhaps in conjunction with you realizing that, you hear a wailing uh, coming from Roddy's wagon. I'm up at the front. I shall see to this wailing post-haste. It's Marlin. Marlin is wailing. Yeah. I should go see Marlin about the wailing. (laughs) I have a man to see about his wailing. Uh, So we've all been talking about your wailing, Marlin, (laughs) in the office. Finding it pretty distracting. If you must wail, please use go the outside. wailing. Yeah. <laughs> use the walk-in fridge. Um, as you kind of dismount and come across to the front of Roddy's wagon, you see that Roddy is just looking forward. Uh, Marlon's not on the wagon anymore. He's in like the middle of this this chaos. He's just on his hands and knees, kind of unable to process and take in the full scale of the destruction. I glance up at Roddy and I say, it's possible there's goods here that they left behind or overlooked. I know. Just give them some time first. We can't afford to slow down too long. 
We won't. I don't know if she wants to go and comfort him or if he'd rather be alone. His wailing has, like, subsided. He's just kind of, like, now sitting there. What does happen is uh, some heavy boots come past you, Sylvie, um, and a dwarf, known as Dor, just pushes past you and goes straight to the um, the wreckage. And before Marlin himself, he is already looking for valuables and things to take. He's looting this site uh, while he still grieves. Piece of shit. Is Marlin reacting? No, not right now. Jolie's like, have some fucking respect, man. Uh, he says, oh, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll really get us far, huh? I'd rather die civilized, Dor. Well, then you'll die all the same. I think Sylvie will move to comfort Marlin and maybe uh, try to take his mind off of watching Dor, like, loot through the shattered remnants of his life. Yeah. But he's also taking the shit, and, and, and you know they don't share, too. That's also an element here. I kind of want, also, Dor's right to see if there's anything valuable here. Uh, like, yes, I agree. It should be looted, but not, like, while he's in the middle of mourning. A couple more boots come from the, the other wagon. Uh, they've now kind of brought, like, a wheelbarrow. The other guards that uh, Tulip has. I'm gonna find and Tulip a way to is now kind of like standing near them, being like, "Yeah, well, what about that? What about that?" And he's like pointing out things for them to like grab and stuff. And at this point, like too, like because you're near Roddy, like Roddy is like not really disapproving of this. No. It's like something like he, it, yeah. she thinks it lacks tact, and perhaps could have been done like this way or that way. But she's like, "Yes, this is what needs." to happen so it's not something that she's like cut the shit I'd at least like to ask Marlin if there's anything he left behind that we could try to find for him nothing of of value Um, no no it's it's all gone um, I think Jolie turns to Marlin and is like, I won't do it if it makes you unhappy, but they are going to take things and you have more or less nothing. So I'm going to take things and put it in Roddy's caravan for you unless you explicitly don't want me to. Um, could I ask a favor? Of course. Would you help me bury them? I I know we don't have a lot of time, so I don't think I could do it quick enough alone. Uh, yeah. I know a guy. What? Named Zeke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely going to ask Zeke. Um, I think I would motion Zeke and my wife. And... I don't think Roddy would bother either. That's it. Okay. And ask for some help. So Jolie is basically taking up like getting people to execute this? Uh, I'm also going to ask... Poor choice of words. <laughs> Yikes. I'm also going to ask, uh, Zeke, would you be willing to let your daughters just grab some stuff for Marlin and put it away? Uh, 
Aber if das... Ja. <laughs> cool. That's what I want to happen. Okay. So you help. There's just a, there's a couple, like three, three men, and you take a spade and you get you get digging. Um, at this point, the rest of like Marlon is largely okay, and the rest of like the caravan, including like Nikolai and Cheyenne, even have started to like kind of see what they can scavenge from from this place. Yeah. I want to say to Roddy, I know. We're no longer in Soleil. Things here are harsh and everyone needs to do what they must to survive. If some things here are shared by all and some are looted and stolen, there will be resentment and there will be problems. If you let Tulip and his men stomp all over as they please, they will not be popular here. Yeah, no, she takes it and she's like, you're right. I'll think on it. Thank you. Um, okay, so you bury these bodies. Are there any of our number who are godly folk want to say something? I don't have the words. Uh, Marlon will be like, he pulls something from his pocket. You don't really quite see what it is. And he goes, oh, they always <laughs> really liked this one. And he claps his hands and kind of throws them over his head and it billows this brilliant like purple flame that kind of dances in the sky slightly and then after it dissipates the actual flame it's like these small little glowy embers fall down on the top of their now finished uh, burial sites. Uh, Marlon turns to you, Jolie, who has orchestrated this. And he just kind of motions for you to follow him. Okay. He pulls you over to one of the more, uh, shall we say, fanciful carts of this. Uh, it's clearly Marlon's. It is uh, <laughs> loud. Uh, it's got, like, gold trim and, like, a bright sky blue paint on it. It's largely, like, broken down now, but you could tell that it was, like, quite um, bejeweled and just blinged out, if you will. Um he goes underneath it. It's turned on its side, so he goes to the bottom of it. And he says, I wanted to thank you. And he snaps his finger once, twice, three times, and then taps on the bottom of it, and a secret little compartment opens up. And from it, he takes out a... What, what do you use? A crossbow, normally, but also just like cantrips with my focus. Okay. Um, he takes out and gives you a plus one crossbow. Oh, wow. Wow, I guess it's like a Jolie day based on this, because based on the marching order. Um, Jolie, as you're coming back to your wagon, you notice uh, Cheyenne, who, along with Nikolai, Cheyenne, they usually just kind of keep to themselves so far and don't uh, really make too much of a fuss. Uh, you see them walking to their wagon from the rear of your uh, caravan. She averts her eyes when you see her, and she climbs up onto her wagon. Can I sneaky perceive what's happening? Something sure, you in can make hands, a perception check. Yep. Like, yep. Uh, 12. Um, 
You think that you see through her crossed arms and hunched posture a glint of silver. Paid her to do something. Oh, you would notice it's not like this is this is like it's not a coin. So it's, there's, there's like an object that she has. Oh, she's coming back, and no one else is at their wagons yet. Like she wasn't like Tulip wasn't at his wagon. So while oh. everyone was looting and burying, oh, okay. Cheyenne was somewhere else yeah, in the yeah, other yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know about this. I'm a little nosy. Sure. I'm in their caravan. I, like, I'll, I'll, like, hop on in and be like, hey, you two, how are you doing? All right. So you guys are on the road. You're traveling towards the, the Great Swamp, and uh, Jolie hops into Nikolai, Cheyenne, and Boris's wagon. Okay. Um, I, like, give them some dry, not, like, nutritional, but, like, dry herbs for, like, tea making. Say, thought you guys might like these. I also saw, I thought you might like something from down that way. Something silver? Okay. What? what yeah, Cheyenne folds immediately. What? Uh, cool. Cheyenne's like, oh, please, please don't tell anyone. Please. What'd they take? She, she pulls out a uh, silver chalice and is like, I... I I thought we could use it um, down, down, down the road. Ah, uh, to sell. P- please, what do you want? Nothing, obviously. Oh my god. I'm sorry. No, I honestly, I kind of applauded. It's really okay. Just, you know, you're lucky. I was walking back and saw it. Be well, more well, careful. You have a keen eye, huh? That's why they call me Keen Eye Jolie. Just kidding. No one's ever said that. Just be careful. All right. He's got a lot of eyes. Okay, she leans forward and her eyes kind of steal for a second. In a way you haven't seen. And she's like, oh, you don't have to worry about me, honey. Damn. <laughs> Behind you, Boris the donkey <laughs> looms. Eats me. Um, she says, all right, I mean, hey, I know you guys are tough. The oldest folks know some know some shit Cheyenne just you know we're looking out for each other except for Tulip I know Tulip's looking out for Tulip so just looking out for you uh okay then run run, run along now alright I'll leave <laughs> cool. Nikolai are you okay <laughs> cool 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 shit <laughs> I wanna keep I won't keep an eye out. Like, if, if they try to sell this in of the vicinity of Tulip, I want to distract Tulip. Not just to help Nick and Cheyenne, but, like, fuck this guy. Really Tulip-hating hours. I, I'm sure to revel in his downfall. You guys continue on the road, and you arrive at the edge of the Great Swamp. A massive, massive, massive forest is in front of you. The trees are... A size that you literally couldn't fathom before. There's cloud cover that already is cutting the sun, and these trees further make it almost an eternal night inside of the swamp. It's treacherous, it's dangerous, and you know it to be so. And Roddy has gathered you all at the edge of it to discuss the plan ahead. Uh, Chorley has gone into the forest to assess basically the state of that biome, and she's going to come back and advise... um, Maybe what she thinks the best course of action is going up ahead. She went alone? She's just going in a little bit, yeah. 
Um, she does come back after not too long. And she tells you all that <laughs> the type of wildlife that lives in the swamp is extremely dangerous. This is a very, very treacherous place to try and go through and even further because of the uh, amount of rainfall, um, the moisture has made it even harder to maneuver. It's become even more since her last time ever seeing this. Uh, very much like a, it's become a larger, more expansive, and well, a wetter place. Um, to the point that she says, I don't know if the wagons can make it through. She tells you guys that with the weight that the wagons have, they might end up stuck. And it, that could be disastrous. We don't have much to begin with. Is that a, a point towards leaving things behind or towards keeping what little we have? We have enough means to feed ourselves, repair our tools if we need. What would you give up? I have my wife and food, more or less nothing. That's what I'm saying. So what do you think, go around or go through it? I don't know anything about navigating the wilderness. I don't really either. I mean, not wilderness like this. I'm set enough for food for the troop. I'm less worried about running low on supplies if we took the longer route, but I don't know if we can say the same for everybody. We don't have much in terms of food in my in my uh, neck of the woods, but I also don't want to put ourselves in extra danger, unnecessary danger. I mean, for me, the biggest benefit to going through the swamp is that we are probably not going to be pursued. I mean, spending five days to a food's worth just for us to be followed, and I mean, like, you know, those tieflings are more dangerous than anything we're going to find in the swamp. Your wife's a huntress. Does she know the area at all? Not this far out of Soleil. I mean, I look to Diane. She's like, I've maybe gone like an hour into these swamps, and that's the farthest I've ever gone this far east. I think um, Zeke's priority is to get through as quickly as possible. Um Five days of kind of an unknown quantity versus one day where we might get stuck. Um, I can, I mean, I don't want to lose my forge, but that's like the heaviest thing we have. We could walk alongside the wagons as well and carry some of our supplies. Yeah, it's a great point. Let's go half the speed too. Make it a two-day trip. We should take every opportunity we can to ensure we don't get stuck in this may I say, nasty-smelling swamp. There's probably more food in the swamp than in the plains. Nasty-smelling food. <laughs> so I think the plan is half speed through the um, through the swamp, but, like, walking by the caravan. Not so in. you're going to camp in the, in the swamp, presumably? I think that is where we're landing. Let's go in slow. Let's see what it's like in the interior. Let's decide. All right, you guys have a game plan. Uh, you, you've basically consulted with Roddy. Roddy's approved this and has had a similar sentiment. Um, and you guys all saddle up and you head into the great swamp. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Many Realms. This has been our sixth installment of The Many Merchants of Maloon. If you want to join us for the whole ride across Maloon, you can subscribe to our podcast. You can learn more about us by following us on Twitter or Instagram at The Realmcast. Or if you want to support us financially, you can follow us on patreon.com slash many realms. That's patreon.com slash many realms. Thank you.